0: I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie.
1: And we are Paranormal Chicks.
0: Sinister Sightings 136. That rhymed. What rhymed? A Paranormal Chicks. Oh, I was like, Sinister Sightings 136 does it rhyme. Oh, Lord. Well, it doesn't matter because we don't have anybody to introduce this episode.
1: Tell me you're mad without telling me you're mad. You know what? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Olive, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself.
0: <laughs> hey, you know the drill though. Uh, if it's part of your tier and you haven't sent us in your thingy, hit record on your phone and say, oh my god, you're listening too, and record it and send it to us. And if you aren't on Patreon, but you want to do that, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast.
1: Also, it's getting close to December, and we usually give away some intros. If you're not in the Facebook group, because that's where we do it, you might as well join.
0: Okay, the first one. It's titled Grandma. Hello you beautiful southern bells. I found your podcast a few months ago and binged it. Now I do a happy dance whenever you release a new episode. Quite the sight being an extra extra large pizza over here. You are my absolute favorite and your laughs along with your commentary bring joy to my heart. Let me stop gushing because I swear I could go on for days about y'all. My story is about my grandma. I was her first grandchild and the only one of her grands that still lived in Florida with them. We were very close. Not only did I spend almost every weekend with her as a child, but I also used to stay the night with her the weeks that my grandpa worked his overnight shifts, even as an adult. Sadly, when my grandfather retired, they decided to move to Ohio as that's where they were from. I never understood why someone would move to the cold to retire, but perhaps they were sick of the heat. I was heartbroken, but we spoke often and they would visit a couple of times a year. My grandmother took no shiz from Anyone. She didn't stand for it, and with her, you always knew where you stood. She was the heart, soul, and the head of our family without a doubt. She would go to bat for her family, and she loved hard. I'd always believed in the paranormal, as my aunt told me some stories that she experienced, as well as other family members. My hubby grew up in a haunted home. I myself had never experienced anything, however, that would soon change. My soon to be husband and my grandmother never met, but Man, she loved him. She used to call him her boyfriend, and it was the cutest, and it really melted me because she couldn't stand any of her other son-in-laws or granddaughter's men. She used to call them all Peckerhead Joe, never by their actual names. (laughs) That's some pettiness that Donna would do. Oh, hell yeah. Well, one October day, my fiance told me that my grandmother was sick. I said, um, yeah, I know, bronchitis. She's fine. She gets it all the time. My grandma was a heavy, heavy smoker. He said, no, I mean, her lungs are black. She needs to get an x-ray. You're going to lose her. I will stop the story right here and tell you that sometimes my hubby has feelings or visions, and though he told me this, I had not experienced it until this day. He begged me to call my cousin, who lived near my grandmother, and who also happens to be a nurse. We told her what he saw, and she pretty much forced my grandma to go to the doctor just in case. Not long after that, and many doctor's visits later, we found out that she has stage 4 lung cancer. My honey then told me that she would pass around Christmas time. I asked him how he knew, and he said because there's a Christmas plant in the hospital room that she stares at, and honey, we are not there. I told him that there was no way that could be true, because I would most definitely be there. It was a long two months for her. My mom would fly up every two weeks to relieve my aunt as they would take turns caring for her because it was too much on my grandpa who was heartbroken. I found out a lot of information from my cousin because my mom kept a lot from me. She knew it would upset me and hurt me and my grandmother didn't want me to know. honey and I one cold January day were sick and I mean very sick. It turns out we had H1N1 if y'all remember when that was a thing. While in bed sick as I have ever been I received a call from my mom saying that she was flying up to Ohio. I asked her why because I knew it wasn't her turn that my aunt was still with my grandma. She said she just felt the need to go. I was very sick so I was very rude to her and told her that she was lying and that if something was wrong she needed to tell me. She stayed with the original story that nothing was wrong. Then I called my cousin, my source of info, who told me that they called a code on her last night at the hospital, but they were able to bring her back. I was heartbroken that I couldn't go. My mom made it in time before she passed. I asked my mother what was in the room, remembering what my hubby had said, asking if there were any plants or flowers. She told me that there were a lot of them, but there was a poinsettia that she loved and she just used to stare at. So not exactly at Christmas time, but we lost her on January 7th. Now, when my husband tells me to take a different route or that someone isn't okay, I listen. I do believe my grandma was with me after her passing. When she passed, my iPhone literally stopped working. It flashed a few times and literally just stopped. Still not sure what that was, but like to think it was her. My stepfather and I flew up for the funeral, having recovered from H1N1 by then to join the rest of the family. After the funeral, which was the worst day I have ever experienced, we went back to my grandparents' house. My grandparents had separate bedrooms, and I went to her room, sprayed her favorite perfume on myself, and laid in her bed to take a nap because my head was pounding from all of the crying of the day. I had my back to the door when I heard someone come in and felt their weight lay next to me in the bed. I knew it was my cousin and just felt comfort and went to sleep. Later, I asked her how our nap was since I woke up alone. She said, what nap? I told her what happened, and she said, I never went in there at all. Neither did anyone else in the house. I still believe and always will that it was her, my grandmother, laying down with me. We always took naps, and I felt so much comfort that there is no other explanation. Thank you for reading my extra long email. It's okay if it doesn't make it on air. It just feels good to share it with you lovely ladies. Have a great day. Creep it real and don't get scared. With love, Summer from Florida.
1: That's such a sad but sweet story.
0: Mm -hmm. Pretty much the same thing happened when my grandmother was sick in the hospital. My two oldest sisters had to take her to the emergency room and they're like the least medical people in the world. And so my mom and I were sick. I think it was the flu, actually. Not H1N1, but it was the flu. And they kept like having to call and text me like, what's this messing? What's this do? What's she say? You know? Yeah. And it wasn't long after that that she passed.
1: I love that you sprayed her perfume and then laid down and she was with you. I totally believe she was.
0: Oh, 100%. also love when people have just like their smell.
1: Yes. You have that baby powder.
0: Yeah, well, you know, my oldest sister has it. She uses this Liz Claiborne perfume that she has used forever. It's in a yellow triangle.
1: Okay, this next one is titled Sinister Story? Question mark. Hello, ladies. My name is Isaac, and I'm a little country gay living in the big town of Louisville, Kentucky, and I just adore y'all. You seriously bring a smile to my face every single time I listen to one of your podcasts. I could go on and on, not now, tangent time, but I'm going to tell y'all my story, which isn't very sinister, more so general fuckery. Hope y'all get a kick out of it. So here we go. Picture it. Louisville, Kentucky, the bright old year of 2018. I was renting a five bedroom house with three other people. We had just moved in and were settling nicely. It was the cutest house in a great neighborhood across from a park, and we had a big fenced in backyard. It was great. Well, about a week or two in, we noticed that my dog and my roommate's dog would stare right at the fireplace for long periods of time. Which, that's enough for my ass. I'm not a stranger to the paranormal. I've been to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. I've seen ghosts, but that's a story for another time. I know animals are attuned to the other side. And you got my ass fucked up. It was an older house, and I had no desire to meet any spiritual quote-unquote, friends, that decided to dwell there. We would hear noises in the wall in the middle of the night, the whole shebang. It was a no from me. Thank you very much. I kept my ass locked in my room at night, and when my dog would stare at the large fireplace— I would take my gay butt onto the other room. Well, finally, she did it one time while this guy I was dating was over. He was a big old tall drink of water, and I said, You go open that fireplace and look in there. You're a man. He did. After some poking and prodding, because I sure as hell wasn't going to do it, he got up in the fireplace and opened the vent. And there, staring back at him, was a possum. <laughs> He screamed and slammed the fireplace shut. So I screamed and took off. And of course, all hell broke loose. Two gay men running out the front door, my girl roommates running out the back door, a grand old time. <laughs> Not. Well, Mr. Possum had to go. This isn't Snow White's cottage, and he wasn't folding my clothes or paying rent. We had a pest control guy come out and inspect the chimney and set up traps. Not only did Mr. Possum live there, but so did a raccoon. The whole lost forest had decided to inhabit my chimney, apparently.
0: (laughs) I get Snow White over here.
1: (laughs) That's my little story this go round. I hope it made you guys chuckle. Stay amazing, Isaac. Oh my gosh. Why can I just vision this with you, Isaac, right now? 100%. I love that. You're a man. I swear to God, <laughs> I was just thinking that.
0: Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, uh same, like
1: Yeah. You too, sir. <laughs> but also, critters can be more scary than ghosts.
0: Also, it's... And I was thinking because how you had said, Isaac, like you had been to Waverly Hills and all. Yeah, it's one thing when you're going to a haunted place, like, you know what you're getting into, like, you're going to see a ghost, like, that's your intention. Yeah. It's a whole other ballgame when it's literally at your fucking house.
1: Yeah, you can't get away from it. So,
0: no, uh, I didn't sign up for a ghost house. A ghost tour, not a ghost house. <laughs>
1: right. Right.
0: Okay, the next one is called Pele and the Black Sand. Okay, you lovely ladies. You asked for it. First, let me say how much I enjoy the two of you and admire your close friendship. Your connection is so apparent in every episode. My British mom always said, if you have one really close girlfriend, you're lucky. If you have two, you're very, very lucky. You two are very, very lucky. Meh, she's all right.
1: I'm the best friend anyone could have.
0: Are you, though? Yeah. <laughs> This story is one I inherited. I say this because in 1995, I married my second husband. I was divorced and he a widower. We have a blended family. His son and daughter, my son and two daughters. We finished raising our children together. At the time, they were 16, 14, 13, 9, and 4. Major houseful. The 16, 14, and 13, that just gives me all the teenage angst and anxiety.
1: How did y'all have any money? Those are the years that it's expensive as fuck. What well, was
0: 1995? None of them had cell phones yet. True. <laughs> oh, true. The $900 iPhone wasn't a thing yet. Right? They weren't even probably using dial up internet yet. My husband's first wife passed when she was just 31 from breast cancer. She was initially diagnosed within months of giving birth to their daughter. Both of their children were born two months premature, weighing only a couple of pounds, and had to stay in the NICU for several weeks and months. Kathy fought breast cancer for 11 years and endured many doctor's appointments, surgeries, and hospital stays before she passed away. A year after her passing, my husband and I met through a blind date set up by mutual friends. I knew the moment I laid eyes on him, I had found my next husband. Two years later, we married. It was at that time he told me about the black sand from Hawaii. You see, his wife, during her teenage years, had visited the islands and brought home a film canister of sand from one of the many beaches she and her family had visited. Back in the olden days, we had small grade can- <laughs> we had small gray canisters with snap on black lids that 35 millimeter film came in. It didn't even dawn on me that that would have to be explained. <laughs> no. But- So true. I'm so glad because there probably are people who are like a film canister.
1: Yeah, our young creepsters.
0: This canister held enough for a handful of beautiful black sand repurposing, if you will. Tom never knew which beach it came from, so we decided that together, as a family, we would plan a trip sometime in the future to return the sand to Hawaii. Skip ahead 14 years, during which we survived three teenagers learning to drive in the span of two years. One child diagnosed with a very serious blood disease. Kids adjusting to their parents' remarriage and mourning parents, both through death and divorce. Sports, music lessons, in-laws, all the shit you deal with when you have a large family. We held it all together somehow without losing our minds, and we were finally nearing our time when the diagnosis came. We still had not been able to take the trip to Hawaii. Life has a way of getting in the way. February 13th, 2009, a Friday, not even kidding, my husband was diagnosed with ALS. We were absolutely devastated as he had only been retired from the airlines for six months After 34 years of service, he was only 54. I dove headfirst into learning everything I could about Lou Gehrig's disease. I prayed, begged God, and making promises if he would just stop the progression at each stage of loss, we could handle it. We could push through. Just please don't let us lose him. April 2011, I came across a story of the curse of the black sand from Hawaii. I searched the web to find out which beaches had black sand. Then I hit pay dirt. Bad pun, I know. When I read the folklore of Pele, goddess of fire and volcanoes, according to many sources on the web, the takeaway is, do not take the black sand. If you do, a curse of loads of bad luck will follow you. The stories out there are endless. It was then that I realized the pattern of this small canister of hell had been reeking on our families. The next day, I found a company on the island of Hawaii that would return the sand to its rightful place. I FedExed that shit with high priority, along with a note of apology and prayer for forgiveness on behalf of those who had possession of the canister before me explaining the serious and devastating circumstances that had surrounded them, along with a monetary donation to get it out of my house. I didn't care if the folks I sent it to laughed at this howly tossed the sand in their driveway, and danced all the way to the bank. I had to get rid of it. My understanding is these tiny particles of sand, comprised of volcanic glass in varying colors throughout the Hawaiian Islands, are Madame Pele's babies, and Pele gets majorly pissed if you take them away from her. She is a very powerful mama. I know this firsthand. I have seen it. I have lived it. Exactly one month after shipping the sand, May 4th, 2011, my husband suffered a massive heart attack 15 minutes after his caregiver had left for the day and within minutes of me getting home from work. He had not yet reached the worst stages of ALS, but was completely wheelchair-bound and needed assistance with eating, bathing, exercising, turning over, practically everything, but was in high spirits considering the devastation of this horrific disease. In fact, his caregiver said he had had one of his best days that particular day. It's been nearly 10 years since I lost the love of my life. I'm still in the same home and cannot bear the thoughts of leaving here. This is where I feel his presence the most. My elderly mother now lives with me as I've renovated our home to be handicapped equipped for my husband. And now my mother is comfortable, safe, and well cared for here. I miss him every moment, but I feel him with me every day. I thank God that he was merciful and Tom did not have to endure the very worst of ALS. He could still converse eat a good rare steak, and show the people around him how much he loved them. Since the sand did not pass directly to me after Tom's death, I feel as though life is sending me the usual ups and downs that otherwise may have been far worse had I kept Pele's babies. Moral of the story, leave only your footprints in the sand. Sorry this is so long. I've been holding off for months trying to find the right time to put this in story form. Much love to you both. Creep it real and try not to get scared. Maureen E. from Fayetteville, Georgia. When you first said that she had brought home a canister, I was like, wait, aren't you not supposed to do that? Like, isn't that bad luck?
1: I didn't know that it was bad luck. I'm so sorry for your loss, though. Yes. Oh, gosh. my gosh.
0: And your stepkids lost. I mean, both parents. I, that's yeah, heartbreaking. But I know that they're thankful for you being in their lives and the way you took care of their father. Yes, definitely. And yes, I'm with you. FedEx that shit right over there. And like i'm with you they can dance all the way to the bank being like sucker but it is out of your and you did your due diligence and buy sand
1: what did you say when you shipped it because you know and they're like is this flammable Blah, blah 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 is it harmful yes yes okay the next one hey ladies my name is michelle and i'm from new mexico yes we're part of the united states
0: Wait, is that a thing? Do people not know that New Mexico's part of the lower 48? Oh, God. See what I did there? hmm I mean, we just had a Hawaii story. <laughs> you know, I was probably way too old before I realized that Hawaii and Alaska weren't beside each other. Right. Fuck those fucking maps.
1: I just want to say I love your podcast so much. I love listening to you guys when I'm working out because the humor blocks out the pain and the
0: heavy breathing. Are you sure? Because we breathe pretty heavy. (laughs) Yes, we do. Maybe you just hear our heavy breathing (laughs) and you think it's blocking (laughs) yours out.
1: Anyway, I'm not a big talker, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you about this case about a poor, innocent baby and the piece of shit mom and dad that we all as a state began to hate. Trigger warning, this story contains abuse and sexual assault of a minor. If this case is too raw, I apologize, and it doesn't need to be read, but I feel like her story needs to be heard. The case of baby Brianna. I wish I could start this story with a happy beginning, but unfortunately, this little baby didn't feel what love is or could be almost since she was born. Baby Brianna was born on Valentine's Day in 2002 in Las Cruces, New Mexico. She died at the age of five months and five days old. Oh my God. On July 19th, 2002, at the hands of her mother, Stephanie Lopez, her father, Andy Walters, and her uncle, Steven Lopez, due to severe child abuse. Oh my God. Baby Brianna was horrifically abused almost from the instant she left the hospital after she was born until the day of her death. On a daily basis, she was slapped, kicked, punched, thrown, and raped by her father (gasps) and uncle. Her mother, Stephanie Lopez, Stephanie's... Parents and other family members were aware of the horrific abuse baby Brianna was enduring, but not one of them said or did anything about it. In fact, Stephanie's mother would later testify that Stephanie would pinch and bite baby Brianna when she became frustrated with her crying, and that she was aware that her infant granddaughter was being beaten, but, quote, didn't want to get
0: involved. Um, well, you should get involved straight to the fucking jail cell too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: On the night of July 18, 2002, Stephanie, Andy, and Stephen began drinking. Stephanie claims that she only had a few beers before heading off to bed, leaving Andy and Stephen in the living room where they continued drinking. After Stephanie went to bed, Andrew and Stephen thought it would be funny to toss Brianna up in the air, let her hit the ceiling, and then watch her hit the ground. It is not known how long their sick game continued, but the father admits to, quote, throwing her up three
0: to four times. Oh my God. I'm, I'm like literally sitting here with my mouth like agape. I know oh my
1: God, like tears are right here. That is, that's beyond. Both men told authorities that Brianna was screaming and wailing as the abuse continued. Stephanie claims that she did not hear anything that evening. It was later discovered during police interrogations that Steven Lopez admitted that later in the evening, he began to sodomize baby Brianna, but stopped because he, quote, realized that what he was doing was wrong. The next morning, Stephanie awoke early in the morning to the sound of Brianna screaming in agony. She saw her baby covered in fresh bruises and asked Andy and Stephen what had happened to her. They both told her that they had been a little rough with her last night. She didn't bother to ask further questions and ignored Brianna's pain and injuries and went back to sleep. At about 7 a.m., Andrew admitted that he got up to change Brianna's diaper and, while doing so, wrapped a baby wipe around his finger and sodomized baby Brianna. Oh my
0: god, this is heavy.
1: He returned to bed at 7.30 a.m. and fell back to sleep. Stephanie awoke at approximately 10 a.m. and noticed that Brianna was unresponsive and not breathing. She called 911 stating her daughter fell from her high chair. Oh my god. Brianna was rushed to the hospital where she was pronounced dead at 11:10 a.m. The autopsy findings concluded that baby Brianna died from cranial cerebral injuries. She suffered 13 human bite marks throughout her entire body, bruising and scraping injuries throughout her head, as well as on her upper forehead. Stephen Lopez, the uncle, was convicted of many counts of child abuse and received a 51 year prison sentence.
0: Yes.
1: Andrew Walters, the father, was sentenced to 57 years in prison for similar charges. Stephanie Lopez received a 27 year sentence. However, she only served nearly 13 years in prison and was released after serving just over half of her sentence because of good behavior. Wait, she's out? Right. She will now be on supervised parole in another state. And Brianna's grandmother, Patricia Walters, and her uncle, Robert Walters Jr., each were convicted of failing to report abuse resulting in death and received two months in jail.
0: Well, at least they got fucking something.
1: Yeah. This case led to Brianna's law, which allows for a maximum sentence of life in prison for child abuse resulting in death. Baby Brianna would have been 19 this year. Oh, Sorry for the long and horrible story, and I'm almost in tears writing this, but like I said, I felt like her story needed to be shared. I have more true crime stories and some paranormal ones, but that's for a later time. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to creep it real and fuck those guys. Just so y'all know, Carrie's a real MVP here, and she wanted to cut some of the detail out that Michelle shared because it was truly horrific.
0: Yes. And that's thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing all of that and taking the time to write it out. I just, I know for me, it was like so, so heavy that I just, I don't know. I just, I I don't know. It was, it's just so heavy.
1: But you're right. Her story deserves to be heard because what she endured in those five months, no one should ever have to
0: endure. There's a special fucking place in hell for people like that. For you to do that to someone who cannot fight back, someone completely helpless to your care, fuck you. And, okay, when you said that he like changed her diaper, I was like, why? I mean, with all the abuse, why even change your diaper? Right? You scared she's going to get fucking diaper? Around, like you know what i mean that just surprised yeah, me yeah oh, oh so so you could do nasty shit also i'd never understood people being like this baby's crying let me physically injure it so that it will stop crying i know let me bite this child because they won't stop what in the actual fuck but truly thank you so much for taking the time to write all of that out and send it to us
1: yeah i never heard of that case me
0: neither and yes she died like that's murder I mean, that is fucking murder. Let's call it what it is. They should all get fucking life in prison. Yes. Not the mom be fucking out. And ma'am, you had a couple of beers. You're telling me you did not fucking hear all that screaming? Fuck you. Yes, you fucking did. You just you were either on something or you just rolled over and fucking ignored it. Yeah. Either way, you're culpable.
1: Well, and then she went back to sleep. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm all kind of mad now.
1: This isn't the same, but on 2020 i believe diane sawyer
0: was this friday night Are yeah you try- yes the turpin i sisters. Didn't, okay i didn't watch it but they were telling me about it today at work and i gotta go i was like i need to do this case it has the body cam footage yes i know don't tell anymore because i'm gonna eventually cover it okay great of course you fucking watched it
1: yes and i knew about it
0: before that though yeah but i want you to not know my story <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the next one. My crazy life stories. Hello, ladies. First, I would like to say that you guys are so awesome. I completely stopped what I was doing, working, just to write this. I have a few stories for you guys. Y'all can choose which ones to read. When I lived with my parents, I used to work at 4 a.m. at a casino nearby. Were you a dealer? Or what'd you do? Because, uh, teach me all the things. I love the casino. <laughs> me too. My daughter would have to sleep with my parents when I leave for work as I didn't want to wake her up in the middle of the night or leave her sleeping by herself. My parents would tell me that she would all of a sudden sit up and looked at the bathroom right outside my parents' bedroom. Then my mom would say, Kimberly, go back to sleep, baby. And she would go back to sleep. Then one afternoon, she asked my dad, whom was chilling on the couch right next to the bathroom, small apartment, Grandpa, who's that lady standing by the bathroom? Oh my God, my dad got so freaked out. My mom did a little digging after that and found out that there was a lady that was living there before us and had died. So after that, she never saw the lady again. Story number two. My mom has always said she has somewhat of a sixth sense. Living in Vietnam, she was a dentist. Sometimes, she would do a job and not collect payments for those in need. One day, there was a guy that knew my mom. He came to her and said, Sister, don't let your son go outside when he turns 18. He's going to die. Well, my half-brothers lived in the U.S. at the time with my aunt. But she did let my aunt know what a medium had told her. But of course... No one thought anything of it. On his 18th birthday, his girlfriend wasn't feeling well, so he drove to buy some flowers and a gift, then headed over to his girlfriend's house. He never made it there. On the way there, he was hit by a drunk truck driver and died on the spot. Afterwards, my mom had a dream. He came to her and said, Mom, thank you for the bread. My mom told one of my aunts, she then looked up to the shrine with food offerings for my half brother and asked my mom, Is that the bread you saw? And my mom jumped and said, Yes, those were the exact ones. Then a few weeks ago, she told me my grandmother came to her and said, Can you take me to visit little Lan? I miss her. I was so freaked out because I was just talking to my friend a few days prior about my grandma and how she said to my aunt before she passed, I missed number nine. Can you take me to visit her? My parents came from big families, so my mom was identified by number nine. Anyway, thank you for reading. I have more stories, but I will send them in another time. Back to work. Love y'all's podcast, Lan. It was like the old lady just needed her story known. What old lady? That oh, the old lady. lady. Okay, okay. I thought you were talking about the grandma. No. Like, Maybe call her grandma. God bless. <laughs> Pay attention. I did. I read it. Yeah, she just wanted to be seen and was like, okay, cool. Thanks for acknowledging me. Bye. That's so sad about your half-brother, too. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, like, you know the girlfriend internalized that and blamed herself. I know. Gosh. And the thing is, is that everyone involved probably blamed themselves. And it is no one's fault other than the person that got behind that wheel. Yes. Do, Don't dr- Yeah. No, go ahead. That's literally what I was about to say. <laughs> Do not fucking
1: drink and drive. Yes. Okay, the next one is from Bex, who is originally from Manchester, UK, now living in New Zealand. I feel I've always been an empath of sorts and immersed entirely in all things paranormal from an early age. I grew up in a haunted house, not your regular old house. Mine was built in the 70s on an old dairy farm. The cows caught foot and mouth and were all burned and then our housing estate built on top. I have a good few sinister sightings to share here, so please use what you think is worth sharing on the pod. Uh, All of them. The first one, Emily. My younger sister began talking about her at a very young age. We had a Victorian-themed wooden dollhouse in our room, and many nights my sis would arrange the Victorian house furniture and then tell us the next morning that Emily had moved it around. My first experience with Emily was late one night when I was about 11. I woke up because my sister was running around my bed, laughing and playing. I yelled, oh my God, will you shut up and go to sleep? And she yells, shut up, I'm trying to sleep. My ass was half asleep, so I went back to sleep, then woke up again to the same laughing and running around my bed. I yelled to my sister, who yelled back at me, and then it dawned on me. She was in bed the entire time, and our beds were against the wall, so... How in the fuck was anyone able to run around the bed? Emily, I eventually learned, was your typical ghost-looking child. Long white nightgown with a collar and blonde curly hair. She would hang out in our closet in the bedroom, which we believe could have been a hallway when her house was there before ours. The next one is doppelganger. My dad is a skeptic to this day. However, when I was 17, I remember walking in from high school to see the front door wide open and muddy footprints from the front door all the way to the back door, which was also wide open. This was unusual because the front door is always closed. My dad frantically yells at me as I walk in and asks if I've been home a while. Because I wasn't answering him? Question mark. Nope, dad. I was walking home. He looked pale and said, Jesus Christ, I was just sorting myself out in my bedroom. And through the crack in the door, I saw you walk out of your bedroom, walk down the bloody stairs. And when I called to you, you didn't answer. This one's about the Victorian boy. My grandma and grandpa lived in an old house in Liverpool. The stairs split at the top into two directions, and I shat myself every time I was in there as I knew it was haunted as fuck from early on. My mom was having a birthday party as a child, and my grandma had just sent them all out to play in the back garden. She walked into the hallway to see a young boy at the bottom of the stairs, not speaking, just looking at her. She asked him what he was doing and that he should join the other children in the garden. He didn't answer and walked straight past her into the living room. She thought it was odd, so she followed him into the living room. And upon entering, there was nobody there. The ball. My uncle, his girlfriend, and my mom were hanging out as teenagers in the living room and out of nowhere began hearing a ball bouncing down the hallway. A concrete hallway. Except the hallway was carpeted. Apparently, my uncle's girlfriend fear farted and didn't stay around too long after that. My mom was lying in the bed one night years after the loss of her favorite uncle and was worried about her brother who had found out he had skin cancer. She woke up to a bright, warm light and saw her uncle who told her everything would be fine and to go back to sleep. And her brother healed soon after. When my grandma was passing, I saw three silhouettes of men waiting by her bed in the hospital. Her father, brother, and grandfather. I have shitloads more to share, but I will leave it at this for now. Thanks so much for keeping me entertained and sane during work. I love you guys and this group.
0: Bex of course Emily had to fuck with your sleep. Of
1: course. And hiding in the closet? Uh Uh-uh. No thanks.
0: I was watching a TikTok. Well, I've seen a couple from this lady, but she's a nurse for hospice. And that's one of the things that she talks about. Like she does aspects of hospice that can't be explained. And that was one of the things she said that, you know, people who are like a month or so from passing on hospice will often say that they see other family members and all of that, that you can't see. And they're like, it's a normal thing that happens. Happens and it happens so often that we put it in the literature, but we cannot explain what it is.
1: Wow. Also, can we just say, how is your dad a skeptic
0: if he's the one who saw the doppelganger? At least it wasn't his own doppelganger. True that, true that. See, I do listen to your stories. <laughs> it's so amazing, too, to think of all these other countries that people live in these houses who've been there for centuries and centuries, you know, all this time. And it's like, just because America in the grand scheme of things is so new. Like, we just don't have those old buildings like that. Thanks, Architectural Digest. Okay, the next one is called Scary Story. Hey, ladies, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and have fallen in love. You are my go-to on long drives to and from school in the mornings and the evenings. But anyway, let's get on with the story. I grew up in a really religious family. My great-grandfather was a preacher and had always told stories of how he had seen black mists come from people when he would pray and cast evil beings out of people. My mom wasn't much of a believer until this happened. I grew up in a small mining town in Kentucky, not much there, just lots of mountains and run-down mines. The closest shopping mall to us was at least an hour away. So one day, my mom and me decided to go for a day of shopping. I was young, maybe seven or eight. But we went shopping, and in order to get to the mall, we had to cross over into West Virginia, which was literally a hop and a skip from the Kentucky state line. A lot of my family actually lived on the West Virginia side, but rumors are there's a mountainside in West Virginia that is full of activity. Y'all really need to look up the story of Mamie Thurman. She was supposedly murdered by her husband back in the day, and a little boy who was picking blackberries found her body in a blackberry bush. She's rumored to haunt the mountains, and if you go to a road called 22 Mine Road and put your car in neutral it will go up the hill like it's being pulled. And if you put baby powder on the hood of your car and leave it there, there will be handprints. But anyway... Me and my mom finish our day of shopping and start the long drive back home. In order to get home, you have to go over the mountainside where all this took place, 22 Mine Road. So we're driving and it had just gotten dark. When we start going up the mountainside, we see a woman and a man standing on the side of the road. The man looks normal enough, just dirty and battered and holding a huge black trash bag. And the woman is strangely really pale and in a torn dress. We didn't think much of it because we are from a really poor area and drugs are horrible. But we keep driving and... It's like me and my mom are both being drawn to stare at these two. It wasn't even a minute, but it felt like longer until we both whip our head around and look at the road and the man is right in front of our car. We hit him and the trash bag goes everywhere. My mom, who's a nurse, panics and jumps out of the car and a coal truck who was right behind us saw the whole thing happen. So he pulls over and jumps out as well. I stayed in the car because I was young. I remember looking over to the side of the road and And seeing the woman still standing there looking at my mom and this coal truck driver. There was no man. Just a trash bag. No marks on the car nothing. My mom is still standing in front of the car when she finally looks up and goes white. Next thing I know, the coal truck driver does as well. They both hurry back to the car and get in and we leave. Now my grandparents live maybe five miles from where this took place. So we drove to their house so we could calm down and think about what had just happened. My mom tells Poppy, my great grandfather, everything that happened. And she says when she realized the guy wasn't there, she looked up and saw the woman staring hardcore at her and just had this overwhelming feeling and left. My poppy told my mom the story about when he was young and was driving up that mountain. Him and his buddies were in the back of a truck bed heading to the church early on a Sunday morning when they saw a young woman standing on the side of the road. Being young guys, they start catcalling and whatnot. By the time they turn their head for a split second, she's gone. The next thing they know, the truck won't go up the hill. It's like it's being pulled back. He said they were literally burning rubber trying to get up that hill. When all of a sudden, a white mist forms in the truck bed where he's sitting and it starts spinning. As the mist is spinning, the truck gets some traction and slowly makes its way up the hill. As soon as it gets to the top, it flies out of the truck. So, my poppy confirmed that it was the lady in white that we had seen, aka Mamie Thurman. My mom and some still won't drive down this road at night alone. I'm 21 and my mom's in her 40s now. If it's late and we're the only ones on the road, we wait for a car to drive up so we can follow it. Apparently, a lot of coal miners who drive trucks see her as well. They will spot her on the side of the road and next thing they know, they look in the mirror and she's in the back seat. Some creepy stuff. There's so much folklore in my small town, it's not even funny. I've got plenty more stories where that came from. Sorry for the novel, but it's a good one, I promise. Creep it real and keep the stories coming. Much love, Kaylee S.
1: I've told y'all before, I do not look in my rearview mirror if I get a weird feeling at night when I'm driving because my mama said if you see a ghost, it'll kill you. Well, or clearly end up in your back seat. No, I mean, if you look in the rearview mirror and you see a ghost, it will kill you. I don't know about that. That's what she said. And so seriously, I will have mental conversations where I'm like, do not look. Nope, 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 nope. And my
0: eyes are fighting with me and I'm like trying to dart them back down. Oh, because you know I'm nosy as fuck. Can you imagine driving down the road and thinking you hit a human being? No. And getting out of, like enough that the person behind you stopped too. Yeah. And getting out and there's nothing fucking there.
1: But the bag that you saw him holding.
0: Yeah. I mean, thank God there was not a human. Right. But what in the actual fuck? And that's what they get for catcalling. Swear to God, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. I just couldn't figure out like how to say it, you know, like, and don't be catcalling is what I was thinking.
1: Girls send in all the stories. We love that kind of shit. It reminds me of that prom night one on uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Oh, and that is seriously one of my favorites. All right. Last one. This one is Not So Sinister Guardian Angel. Hi, ladies. I found your podcast a few weeks ago. Thanks, Patrick Hines. And I'm obsessed. I've always loved all things scary and true crime. So the APC podcast is the podcast for me. In 2008, my grandmother, the matriarch of our family, passed away unexpectedly. A year later, I had a dream. In my dream, I was in a white space. Think Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, when Harry and a newly deceased Dumbledore have a conversation at King's Cross. I was alone when all of a sudden my grandmother appeared. She was wearing her favorite shirt and she was smiling. I remember thinking... This feels really real. She then walks towards me and I reflexively stepped back. I mean, not to be morbid, but she was dead. How could she be standing in front of me? Clearly, my reaction upset her. She frowned and turned around. In that moment, I realized that there was nothing to be afraid of. I reached for her and she turned back towards me. We touched hands and I woke up. Just a dream? Question mark? Maybe, but again, it felt so real, unlike any other dream I have ever had. Fast forward 10 years, I hadn't had another paranormal experience since, and I always wondered if my dream was real and my grandmother was visiting me, did my initial reaction discourage her from visiting me again? Well, by this time, I had graduated from law school and I was awaiting my bar exam results. Law school is great because you sacrifice your early 20s to stress and study, and then a random test at the end of your journey determines whether or not you can practice law.
0: I feel that in my soul on so many levels.
1: Well, I did not pass. To say I was devastated would be an understatement. I had never felt so low. The day after I got my results, I was at my parents' house. I was pacing in my childhood bedroom when I was overwhelmed by the smell of hairspray. And not just any hairspray, but my grandmother's hairspray. A smell I hadn't come into contact with since her passing. I sobbed. I spoke out loud. I thanked my grandmother for being there, and I asked her to help me move forward. The smell lingered for a few moments, and just as quickly as it came... It was gone. I know she was watching after me that day, and she has been with me all this time. I don't know what happens after we die, but that was not a coincidence. Well, that's all for now. Creep it real and don't get scared, especially of your own grandmother when she visits you in your dreams. Anonymous. P.S. I passed the next available bar exam, so all's good. Woo!
0: (laughs) Congrats on passing the bar. I feel smarter just saying that out loud. Right?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine.
0: No, that is a level of stress that is hard to explain. Like, you've put years and hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt to attend this program. Law school, medical school, OT school, PT school, speech therapy, like whatever. You spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and then you have to take this one test and this one test decides, do you move on or take it again and keep taking it, keep taking it until you pass? Yeah. It is like the most stressful thing ever yeah
1: that gave me stress just thinking about it I do not do in high school well in any school standardized test oh my god I hated them
0: well and I'm just such a winger like I wing things like I it, I don't do you know I don't do well preparing for months and years on like I just you know like you know like a, a test like that it's hard for me to like okay I'm gonna take this test in six months sit down and study very stressful well we're so proud of you for passing
1: yeah for sure um we need legal advice no we don't right now (laughs) I'm like uh, oh so we have a lawyer Fred (laughs) No, we don't because it's anonymous.
0: (laughs) Damn it. Thank y'all so much for sending me these stories. They were uh, freaking amazing. Keep them coming. paranormalchicks at gmail.com. If you want to send them to the email address, or you can go to the website and send them in that way. Just click contact us and, you know, peruse the shit while you're there. You got the merch store. You got a link to our Patreon. You got all the things podcast notes. Anything you could ever want in your heart.
1: Okay, not that much.
0: Well, it's a close second. Thank y'all so much, and remember, creep it real and don't get scared. scared.